so it was like, oh, Jory's sleeping over at my apartment and I don't even really know him. And our mutual friend said, oh, don't worry, he's a swinger. You'll be fine. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 110. Why are you smirking? I just think 110 sounds better. (laughs) Welcome to episode 110. Much better. We're Emma and Finn, and today we have an interview with Maria and Jory. And we actually met them when we were at Desire, and they've been together 15 years, married five, and actually been non-monogamous their entire relationship. Yeah, and Jory has been doing it for about 40 years. And so there's and a, monogamous. Yeah, not 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 having sex. <laughs> he hasn't been doing it. Thank you for clarifying. Just clarifying. Is that because I told you you needed to say 110 yeah. instead of 110? Yeah. <laughs> we're off to a great start today. Well, absolutely. So anyway, we're excited to get their story out. They're wonderful people, and there's a lot to learn in this one. Before we do, we have a couple of quick announcements. What's, the first is... What, what's the first one? <laughs> we actually get, receive an email from somebody on January 28th. If your name begins with an M and you ask us a question about what to wear to a party in Las Vegas, please email us again. We are not able to email you back because you did not put the right email address in when you emailed us. So... And also to clarify here, we didn't like just now figure this out. We've been meaning to say this for like three weeks and we... Two, but yes. I said like. (laughs) It's been like three weeks, which is closer to two. Anyway, we forgot. We're sorry. We meant to... I don't know. We meant to do this last week and we forgot. So send us another email and we'll tell you what to wear to Vegas. Uh, Hint, it's assless chaps. (laughs) Yes. But... But sure. you should still email us and we'll we'll give you the rest of the outfit. So, no, yeah. So boots. Let, hopefully we'd love to email you back, uh, but we just can't right now. So next up, we are still celebrating National Condom Month with My One Condoms. And real quick, we're not just telling you this because they're a sponsor of the show. They're a sponsor of the show because we love what they do and we love the product that they make specifically their custom fit condoms in over 60 sizes. And if you subscribe to their monthly recurring like shipment, you can get them either. Well, it can be monthly, bi-monthly or every three months. Every three months. Yeah. So you can get like 24, 12 or I think eight. Anyway, the point is if you subscribe and you use the offer code NNM podcast when you check out, you can basically get them as cheap or cheaper than any condoms you can find on Amazon and you get free shipping. So check it out. You will love it. We love it. And uh, yeah, enough of that. Up next, we have our Patreon Q&A. The next one will be Wednesday, February 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern and again at 9 p.m. Pacific. If you want to learn more about that, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the little button that says Patreon. We'd love to have any and all of you that want to join. It's actually a big button, so you can't miss it. Yeah. And we would appreciate it if you do check that out. We think you'll love it as much as we do. We always have a blast doing them. We've been doing them for about seven, eight months now. Yeah, since last summer. So yeah, we'll see you there. Next up, We've got Focus Fridays. This is really quick. We'll see you on Friday for special episodes we've been creating. We put together this course, course in quotes. You can't see the quotes because this is a podcast. (laughs) But we will be talking to Dr. Dacker about sexual health, part one of our sexual health two-part mini-series, sub-series. This is episode three. And if you want to go ahead and download all of the episodes, there's 10 of them total. Right now, you can by going to the links on our website. Uh, They're also in the show notes in your podcast player. And that's normalizingnonmonogamy.com where you can find all our resources, everything you could ever want to learn about the show, pictures of our guests, including today's. And I mean, really, it's awesome. Let's go talk to Maria and Jory. 
All right. Well, we've got fellow people we met at Desire. Yeah. Super excited to have you here, Marie and Jory. Thank you. We're Thank super you. excited to be here. Yeah. Last minute, it's, it's sunny there and it's sunny here. That's a rare thing. Considering um, it's winter. Yeah, considering <laughs> it's winter. So that's yeah. exciting. Do you mind for for our listeners just sharing a little bit about who each of you are and then we'll dive into the, the nuts and bolts, as it were. So I'm Maria. I'm in my early 50s. I, we live in the upper Midwest. We are married to each other, but I kind of see that as just a legal thing and a reason to have a party. I teach yoga and meditation. And what else? I don't know. I think that's good. Um, okay. how, how long have you been married? Um, we've been together 15 years and married for five. Yeah, together in various forms, which I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> we'll unpack that, I'm sure, at length. <laughs> yeah. And who are you? I'm Jory, and uh, I'm in my later 50s. Been doing the non-monogamy thing for, we just talked about this the other day, for 40 years. We figured out, which is crazy. That and, is crazy. Impressive. And that's about it. Huh? I don't do much of anything. <laughs> I don't I doubt that. Awesome. Well, and so you you mentioned you've been doing this for a long time. Uh how I guess how did it come up for the two of you? I mean, have you so it sounds like you've been doing it your entire relationship. Yes. We we met well, I was not I had no idea about any of the lifestyle, ethical non-monogamy, nothing when I met Jory, and that's what introduced me to all of this but maybe you should start maybe. because your history well, I should start is back at the beginning way back at the beginning so yeah so I, I i think my last monogamous relationship i was probably 15 years old and then then there was some like non-ethical non-monogamy in there but um i got married really young i was 19 years old when, when i first was, was married and uh my first wife and i were doing an open relationship basically when we started dating really. So that started when we were 18 and uh, then we got married. I was 19 and we were non-monogamous our entire uh, relationship, basically swinging more than anything else. Um, although the type of swinging we'd like to do, we'd like to get to know people and have form some friendships. Yeah, exactly. We weren't, you know, just jumping into bed with people sort of thing. I'm not sure the word polyamory even existed when you were. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The Internet didn't even exist. Yeah. That was <laughs> thing too. So did you meet people with like the old fashioned, like the, the book? There was like a like a magazine we, with some like personals in the back. We did do that once or twice. Yeah. And then thank goodness for the Internet. Man. <laughs> <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse all in yeah. one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then um, after 25 years or so, 23 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. Is when um, we met Maria. When we, we met Maria and, and basically we ended up in a triad and we were in, in a triad for a few years. A few and years. And this is with your wife that you had been together since you were like 19. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So long term. So I want to make sure I had all the and, right. And people. you had and you had explored non-monogamy throughout, you know, various capacities during that time. Yes, and, okay. and you know, like like happens, life stuff becomes more important, children and that sort of thing, and then well, you, you're not involved as much, and then um, other times that that's your primary recreation. Yeah, you know? kind of goes so, up and down. Yep, as life yeah. goes. We know the drill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then uh, then we met Maria. So yeah. we met um, at the nude we, beach. We met at the nude beach <laughs> <laughs> through mutual friends. And I was attracted to Jory right away because he was willing to dive into the deep end of the water when I threw the frisbee there. I was your puppy. You, you were like a puppy. You kept fetching the frisbee. And I thought that was super cool. And a couple of months later, there was an activity where everyone was supposed to be coming to my house, my apartment, because I was the closest point to where we were going. And then 
people started dropping out and the last person who wasn't Jory had um, a medical emergency. And then it was just Jory and I going to this event. So it was <laughs> it wound up being like a date. And it wasn't. And the, the idea was everybody crash at my apartment and then get a really early start the next morning. So it was like, Oh, Jory's sleeping over at my apartment and I don't even really know him. And our mutual friend said, Oh, don't worry. He's a swinger. You'll be fine. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> so there was an enormous amount of attraction between us that night. And I would say we started a really wonderful relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were up very late having a lot of fun or very early, depending on how you look at it. Right. Then that, night became like an entire weekend of Jory and his at that time wife and I spending time together and in, in a romantic context. And on Monday morning, I, cause I didn't even have internet at my place. This is way before smartphones. I get to work and I email my, my one very, very close friend who knows everything and I said, oh my God, this weekend and, and these people, and this is what we did. And it was so much fun, but this is so weird. And it's both of them. And like, I'm going on and on describing like what happened on this weekend. And he emails me back this one line. He says, so you're polyamorous now. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? What are you talking about? You know, things that I don't know. What, what do I, what do I need to know? So it was a very eye-opening experience for me and something that I had just never even known about, let alone considered. So in the, in the course of one night, you met, you, Jory came over, you guys had, had activities, and then you spent the whole weekend with him and his, his wife, and that, that's how it got started. And you had no idea any of this existed before that happened. Right. And like, I'm sure I knew that people, like, I'm sure I knew about open relationships, but it wasn't something that really entered my, right. my thinking. And so, and at that point you were single, right? You were not in any yeah. relationships. Okay. Yeah. And so how does that like, cause even in the moment I would imagine you would be like going like, what is happening? It, it was, um, it was interesting. Yeah. It, and, and having lived my whole life up to that point in, in a paradigm of monogamy, all of these bells and whistles and triggers are going off like huge guilt and like, what the heck? And Oh wait, it's fun. Just go with it. And then in two minutes later, there would be like, what are you doing? So yeah, it was, it was very weird. And then I, you know, at that point, well, I did not have internet at home. So my only source of finding anything on the internet was to be at work or to haul myself to one of the few places that had free internet like Panera. So I'm not going to start Googling this shit while I'm at work. Right. <laughs> so I went to the feminist bookstore that's in our town and there was literally two books. Jory had the ethical slut, which he loaned to me. And there was, um, a, I can't even remember the title of it. Now there was a book on polyamory. So I bought that and I started reading through both of those and things started making sense. Like, Oh, I've felt this before. I've felt, you know, I'm in a relationship with person A, but I'm super attracted to person B. So does that mean that I no longer love person A because I'm attracted to person B? Like that's, it, it started making sense why I would have, why anybody would have feelings like that. And, and it worked for Jory and his wife. So I was like, okay, I'm, I can give this a shot and not, in any relationships with anybody else. So let's do this. 
and then we were a triad for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And how did it how did it go in those first couple of years? I mean, I imagine it wasn't just read a book and everything's gravy. Or maybe maybe no. it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it was a little different, also in that we were semi long distance. So they were about an hour and a quarter away from me. So it was only like really on the weekends. It wasn't a day-to-day thing, but we spent pretty much every weekend together. Yeah. yeah. And it was a challenge for us too, because in our swinging history, it was, yeah, sex is fine, but let's not fall in love with anybody. Right. Let's not have an emotional connection, a real emotional romantic connection with people. And, and But at the same time, your relationships within were, that world were long-term, were, oh, very yeah. close, to, to this close day, very close right. friendships. Yeah, I mean, I, I still have very close friends who I met with my first wife 20, over 20 years ago. So, yeah, so it wasn't, it, it felt more like a an evolution, right? Okay. So now we're, we're getting to this, we've met this person and now we're, we're, we're evolving into this next phase. So we had always been, don't, don't have this emotional romantic connection, but now we're starting to move away from that and and transition into this. And we, I felt like we were talking a lot about it and, and, and having conversations around it. So we were kind of going into it slowly and, communicating but maybe not communicating enough yeah so once you got to this point where this i'm assuming this was maybe your first triad first experience like going down that route of having more of a relationship and a a triad relationship which can have its own dynamic absolutely yeah absolutely and so it was new for us too yeah and we had no experience in it Right. Well, and so maybe real quick to preface the conversation that's about to come is we we talked before we started recording and you had asked to maintain some vague vagueness around what completely went down here. But, you know, as people have probably heard, right, you are not you're no longer married to that woman and now you're married to to Maria. So it didn't end up working out in some capacity. And I guess do you mind talking just like at what level you're comfortable about that so we can maybe talk about, we can get past that and talk more about the two of you, if that makes sense? Yes. I, so after after a little bit of us, three of us in a relationship, Maria ended up moving in with us. And and so we were all living together for a while. And and really, um, I think what, what made um, my relationship with her deteriorate and end is there really wasn't the communication that there should have been. The, our expectations were different and we weren't communicating those expectations well enough to each other. And so that led to some things that eventually led to the end. Yeah. So there was kind of a dissolution of my relationship to both of them. I moved back to where I had been living and then yeah. you guys broke up and, and it was over a process of years that we were still living apart. And like it, it kind of, after 15 years, it really all kind of blurs together. It really does. <laughs> I mean, but that's why it, you mentioned at the beginning of this, that you've been married for five years, been together for 15, but kind of in, in different ways. And so this is one of that, those instances where you were together right. as a triad for, for a few years, it sounds like. And then that, ended and you sounds like you went your separate ways for a little while and took some space and had to those relationships were no longer there at that moment but then it sounds like it circled back and the two of you ended up back together of course we did end up back together and then we were doing that semi-long distance thing for a number of years and then jory moved in with me where i was living and now here we are. Now here we are. Yeah. Well, and, and and thank you for that. I mean, I guess so just to kind of clarify something I said, and I, I was just thinking that maybe I said the word inevitable in that you like inevitably you're going to find somebody new and the triad's going to fail and the boom, you know, and I think I was more coming at that from a perspective of a listener or somebody coming into this from the outside saying, 
oh, well, they, they're trying this. It's never going to work. Inevitably, one of them is going to fall out of the triad and it's going to become another dyad. And I was just trying to clarify that I don't necessarily think that's the inevitable uh, trajectory for these, but that was what ended up happening. And maybe sort of being able to wrap that up somewhat neatly and move beyond it because it's not the key element of your your story. Yeah. And even though we had that experience, I don't think that it's an inevitable thing. I thought you used that word in the context that I gave the spoiler right at the beginning where I said we're married to each other. <laughs> Perfect. Well, as long as you weren't offended. <laughs> That's actually where I thought you were going with it too, because it's like we're interviewing the two of them. Right. They're, they're together. <laughs> right. Exactly. And here's the thing that really, that really does translate to us and pull, pull forward in time is that we learned a lot through that experience, right? We had in that in that triad, we had a lot of rules. We we were um, what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, you got to give me another clue. <laughs> Instead of relationship anarchy, we had hierarchical. A lot of, we had hierarchical. hierarchical, right? So yeah. it was hierarchical, and and so we learned a lot about that about that and how we see that and view that and how we want that in our relationship, right? Uh, so I think we, we learned an awful lot from from that. Well, and do you, what to what not? To yeah, do. what I was just saying. And maybe do you mind elaborating on that because this this is something that I wanted to to ask you about because it's something that I I guess maybe sometimes am at odds with sometimes the the poly community ar- around the unicorn hunting and maybe the so so Jory, you were or, or Maria, I'm sorry, you were sort of in the position of the the unicorn, right? And it sounds like there were some rules placed. And I think that's the big, the big sticking point for people in these dynamics when they say like unicorn hunting is unethical and terrible and all of these things is that the couple ultimately places rules on this third person who comes into the relationship, whether it's a woman or a man or any, any person. And I guess it sounds like that maybe was something that happened to some degree. I was a unicorn and I didn't even know it. So I didn't get to enjoy the part of being a unicorn there. It was definitely hierarchical in, in the sense of how a triad can be a hierarchy. We've, we definitely learned a lot from that in that we don't really like the hierarchical framework around relationships. And let me back up a little bit. What I wanted to say too, was when the triad dissolved and things like change and shifted over a course of some time. And then Jory and I came back together as a couple, we were coming at that new relationship as open. Abundant. Abundant. Because that's right. That's something else that you want to say about, the rulemaking within the triad, it that was all coming from a fear, a fear-based perspective, right? And and that's uh, most most of the rules within poly relationships are fear-based, and that's really the problem, right? So it we're, we're at where you're talking about. We got to that point. We were coming at it from an abundance base that we don't we don't need more more love in our life is a good thing. Right. Instead of more love in our life is going to destroy the love that we have. So, so you kind of, so you, ch- you learned, I guess you learned that and you changed through your experience, you changed your mindset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And even though over the course of years that we've been together since then as a couple, there's periods where there's no other people in our life. There's no other romance going on. There's no other sexual relationships for all intents and purposes. We're living a monogamous life, but we don't identify with that. And we, we very definitely keep our relationship style as open because if something were to happen, we want to be open to that. We don't want to close off that potential love or experience in our lives. And maybe I can just talk about some definitions for a minute. I really dislike the term relationship hierarchy 
but the way people use it, it adequately describes what we do. I, I'm sorry. Anarchy. anarchy. Relationship anarchy. Like, I think I don't like it just because of the word anarchy. And it sounds like everybody's going crazy and you can do whatever you want and not have any concern for what happens. The way people use it really is to say that there's no one relationship that's any more important than any other relationship in my life. And I think I really had a huge breakthrough in open style of relationships when I realized that if you have kids, just because you have one kid and you're pouring all your love into that child, if another kid comes into your life and all of a sudden you have two or three or four children, you don't love any of them any less than any of the other kids. You might have to schedule a little better or you might have a little less money to go around to all of them, but there's, there's an, a more love because you have all these little people entering your life. And when I realized that romantic and sexual relationships could be that same way, that I could have a relationship with Jory and a relationship with someone else and a relationship with a third person and still have just as much love for each one of them as I did if it was only the two of us, that's when the light bulb really went off for me. And this idea that love is abundant and grows, you know, like, like weeds instead of it being a pie that you have to slice up and you only have so much to give out. Inevitably within that, there's different relationships that grow up. So because Jory and I live together, we're nesting partners, that has a certain importance in our life that somebody who we're having a relationship with that maybe we're not living with doesn't have the same, I, I don't know what priority is kind of a bad word, but there's certain commitments that go along mm -hmm. with living together. And there's certain commitments that go along with combining your finances. And there's certain commitments that go along with having a child. And so each relationship has to be valued for its intrinsic, wonderful, beautiful, loving value in and of itself. But then you have to choose wisely about time and effort and priority and money based on the other relationships that you might have, like sharing children, sharing a home, I don't know, committing like situations where one partner, the two, two partners in that relationship might agree, okay, I'm going back to school. So I need your support during this time, like a, a relationship like that, but they could all potentially be with different people at different times. I kind of like the model where we don't devalue any one relationship just because it doesn't have the same requirements as another. <laughs> right. Well, and, and to build on that a little bit and, and kind of to play on the analogy of when you have uh, three kids and there's the same amount of money to go around, that's the same, right? As if you have three partners, you don't, you don't get 26 hours in a day or, or 72 hours in a day now just because there's three people. And so I right. think the hard part, a lot of times for people to process is that you are inevitably going to have to reallocate some of that time, but spending less time with somebody doesn't equ equate to less love, right? Or lower importance. Exactly. Well, in the same, you have that history with each other too. Like sometimes, uh, you know, a new relationship might happen and even though you want it to feel like the same, it may feel it's just different because you'll, you'll, you can't erase that history that you have with Jory or with somebody else. Like there's, there's an innate amount of knowing someone and uh, just comfortability with someone that you may have to grow with somebody else. And so there's a little bit of imbalance there too, even though um, you want to, like, treating all the relationships equal and everything is, is, um, wonderful, but there's some things that you can't change. Yes, exactly. Yes. You're, you're my, you're my daily life building partner. And then my partner in Canada, she's, she's my, she's my, one of my emotional life building partners. 
partners, mm. right? But it's different. Your your exotic Canadian partner, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although I guess yeah, maybe. So, do you mind talking about what it looks like today? Like, what is what does everything look like today? And then we can kind of maybe go and talk a little more about some of the things that you've learned and how you've executed differently in the last couple of years since it's always learning and growing. So basically it's us. And, and then I have a partner who is long distance, lives in Canada, who I met when I was traveling outside the country, which is one thing that, you know, the things we've been talking about leave us open for, which is really nice. And then there, there really wasn't, there really wasn't anyone else romantically in our lives when Jory met his other partner while he was traveling. But I think that our, our style of relationship, our, our defining and communicating about having an open relationship, the ability to have other partners set us up really well for that to happen because it happened when he was far away and it, it was almost like they didn't realize that it was happening. And Jory came back from this trip and I describe it as when he came back, there were little hearts and birds that were animated, like dancing around him. And there were googly eyes and he pulled up his phone and said, Hey, I want to show you this picture. I met this woman and he pulls up this picture of this tiny little human off in the distance and he zooms out like a hundred thousand percent. Can you see her? She's so great. And I'm like, Oh dude, you're in love. <laughs> and, and he was like, no, you think <laughs> I'm like you have NRE written all over you. <laughs> And that was just such a wonderful experience for both of us because it, in a, in a traditional monogamous style relationship, those two would have met, they would have clicked and maybe exchanged emails and, you know, but would have suppressed a whole lot of emotion that was really going on in the service of this construct of monogamy. Oh, we have to, we have to remain monogamous to, you know, the person we're with. And the beauty that I've seen in Jory's other relationship over the last year and a half is exquisite and wonderful. And it has sparked so much, so much growth in Jory on a personal level that I would never have wanted him to miss out on that. And I get the benefit of like Jory feeling new and alive and refreshed and has a connection with her on things that they're interested in that I don't have an interest in, but the two of them click on it. And, and it just, it brings me a better partner because he's energized Mm -hmm. and, and enjoying that relationship so much. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced any jealousy along the lines of like the whole relationship? So that's a really interesting question because there are certain things that because we communicated about them, I was able to really think about, okay, what's bothering me right here and how do I identify that? And then how do I communicate it to Jory? And It's when I get down to the root of it, the things that bothered me were like noise in the house or you two are up chatting late at night and it's disturbing my sleep. So when I got to the root of, if I just looked at the surface, I would have been like, I can't stand that you're talking to her all the time. And that would have been jealous, like reactive get rid of this relationship kind of stance. But when I just dug down deep into my emotions, what I was looking at was, okay, what are you really bothered by? And what I was really bothered by was noise and or inability to sleep when I wanted to sleep. And 
like a high-end pair of headphones fixed everything. So you didn't even like, have to get the the Scott Pruitt soundproof booth. <laughs> no. That's way cheaper. Way cheaper. <laughs> like we we worked out some times around things and hey, if you're gonna be doing this, can you use your headphones or if you're gonna do that, can you close a door here or there? And and it all just like fell into place for us. And I, I really attribute that to being non-reactive, to to just sitting with it and digging down into what what's truly going on here. What what's truly would need to change in order for me to be happy. Well, and I think that's really amazing because you it's hard. It's hard to be patient with your emotions and non-reactive. Yeah. It's hard to not just react and say what you you know. I just I don't like that you're talking to her too much. You need to stop. And that's, that's the easy way out. Right. But that's not really the cause of the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. And we, we have good communication in general, really. Between all three of us. Between all three of us. Right. And and you two get along well, which is a huge plus. And we do our radar meetings and. Yeah. Radar is something we picked up from the multi-amory podcast. Having like a monthly check-in with each other where you talk about all aspects of life and how things are going and what might need changing. It's kind of like having a staff meeting if your family was the company. Mm -hmm. So do you do that between the three of you or do you do that like on individual relationships? Like, so you two and then with Jory and his other partner. Yeah, us two. And then um, her and I don't do that formally, but I mean, our relationship is long distance, so we're all, we're talking all the time. Right. That's the prime. What primarily what we do? We do this, this two D thing, two D thing, mostly. So we we basically have a a radar meeting every week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's easy talking. when you're living with someone too to kind of let the mundane day to day things just go by and like right. let life yeah. go, and then to you assume to, everything's good because they're still living with me, so they must not hate <laughs> me enough to leave. Right. <laughs> But it take the time to sit down and actually have a conversation and, and take that space. <laughs> so you, but you do all three sit down once a month as a, no, no. no. Okay. We do not. Jory and I do it formally once a month. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. And then aside from that relationship, we don't really, we have swinging relationships with, people that and I would I wouldn't even call them swinging relationships I would call them well in in swing friends we have sex with (laughs) (laughs) um well in 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 life on a swing set world it would be called progressive swinging right where you have really good close relationships with people that you're also in Right. somewhat romantic, but more sexual relationships with yes. people. So, yeah. Friends with benefits. Friends with benefits. Good, good friends yeah. with benefits. Out of curiosity, how do you go about meeting those people now? You said early days, like in your previous relationship, Jory, you were He's like... still looking in the magazines. Magazines. No, agent through the magazine, <laughs> writing letters. <laughs> Jory's still hoping Craigslist will open their again. Um, to be honest, most of the people that we're super close to, we have met at the swing set trip at at Desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But then we've got a local group that we met initially mm -hmm. through, um, SLS, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on SLS and we're on Cassidy, but they don't get used a whole lot. And, and the way our profile is written these days, <laughs> when you're, it's, it's, it's more exclusionary than, than anything. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're a Trump supporter, don't bother talking to us. If you're this, don't, yeah. So it's, it's like, if you read through our profile, it's more like, really, are these people looking for anybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're particular and that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's your yeah. style. <laughs> so I'm curious back way back. Way way back at the beginning, when you when you were in your the original triad, it was it was a triad. So had 
had you ever explored your sexuality before, Maria? Or have either of you explored it since then? Oh, you mean in terms of being straight versus anything else? Sure. Yep. Yeah, I've, for a long time, I've pretty much defined as pansexual before I even knew the term pansexual. Like, I, I guess I just am, am clicking with all of these things in my head before I know that they actually exist as a thing. So, yeah, I I like the term pansexual because it doesn't exclude anybody. And I don't feel like I am attracted either to uh, either sexually or romantically or to a friend or anything like that to a to another human based on their gender. I'm more attracted to people and want to get to know people because of their attitudes or what they think or how they think much, much more so than, you know, what kind of plumbing do you have inside your body or, you know, how big or small are you? Or I'm, I'm just not a very physically oriented person. I'm, I more want to get to know somebody's mind and what's in their heart. So I had not explored that a whole lot, but had come at it with that kind of an attitude. Like anybody who comes into my life is potentially a friend or a partner or whatever. Does that answer your question? No, it makes sense. So, I mean, so back when you had the, when you were in the triad originally with Jory and his wife, the, the fact that there was another woman was not a, it wasn't, an issue. It wasn't a hindrance at no. all. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this is another human and I'm romantically attracted to her as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. And Joy, have you explored your sexuality at all? I would consider myself pansexual as well. I, I definitely um, am not limited by that. So yeah, I would, I would, I would say yes to that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But I'm certainly, I'm certainly more, I'm attracted to people, not parts. Not parts. I'm attracted to parts. Yeah. Really. That's parts, really not parts. Really. Parts, not parts. <laughs> well, that's yes. New shirt idea. Dibs. Dibs. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a real shame to, um, discount three and a half billion people on the planet just because of what sexual parts they were born with. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Well, being, being that your life on the swing set followers, we have to imagine that sexual health and safety are, uh, intrinsic pillars to your exploration. Do you mind talking a little bit about how the two of you, have handled and navigated that. I mean, even before you learned about life on the swing set and the the attitude that they bring to that, because you've been doing it for quite a while. Yes. And back in the, back in the eighties. Oh God. Right. <laughs> Don't I mean, say that. There, there were some, some of listeners weren't even born yet. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it was, it was a big deal then too, right? That was when the AIDS epidemic was going around and things like that. And, yeah. And there, while there was some in the swinging community, there was some um, blinders to that, like, oh, that's not me. That's a different population. It was still a concern. So certainly, as a matter of fact, for a very, very long time, uh, my first wife and I, we, we would not, um, we were not, we were basically soft swap only for a very long time. That was one of our rules. And, uh, and then after that, it was, you know, we were definitely using protection. And I, even to, even today, some of our, some of our more swinging friends are less concerned about it, right? Whereas what our really thing that we really love about the, the swing set group is that uh, you have your elevator speech, right? I mean, or, or you're getting together for a group event and before the group event, you're having a conversation, which was fabulous. Um, and an eye opening. And the fact that that is happening is excellent. And we're to the point where why would it not happen? Right. Why but, would you not know your status and communicate that? 
the experience with the swing set crowd has made me, at least, I think probably both of us, much more comfortable with A, getting tested, B, being open about um, communicating that status, and just being being really plain and upfront about like that whole conversation mm-hmm. that should happen when any two people have sex. Like you, you don't have to be in an open relationship to, to have these important conversations. And we're, we're real proponents now of getting tested getting tested for more than just what a standard panel tests you for. So asking your doctor for things that if you just say, Oh yeah, I need STI testing. They're going to write down four things and you need to ask for these other four things, you know, and just being very, very matter of fact about it. Because six it, things with STD check. <laughs> are, are, are you, a sponsor here. Yeah. We didn't we didn't pay him to say that, but <laughs> have you guys used this service? Then, just out of curiosity. Yes. Yeah. We have. And it was actually a really good um experience. Super easy. Super easy, and you get a super nice report with everything on one page. Yes. And we, we used the service and then um we found through our, our insurance covers that. STI testing really well, so it's much, much cheaper for us. We pay very little, hardly anything for our testing through our insurance. Okay. So yeah, that makes more sense. That route now, yeah, yeah. But the way it's presented back to us is not convenient. It's horrible. At all. It's horrible. <laughs> like every result comes on a different page. There's there's nothing that like you and they come at different times. And where STD check, you get this one beautiful big page that shows you everything and explains what it means. I I was a little I'm I'm a very very hard uh person to stick with a needle. So when we when we did the the lab that STD check uses here, I wound up with like these horrible bruises on my arm and a lot of pain. And then we went to our doctor after that and they stuck me like beautiful, pulled out the blood. I had I, like I didn't even have a pinprick on me. And I was like, oh, yeah, the doctor is so much better. And then, like, for the last one that I got, whoever stuck me, like, I, I had bruises all the way up my arm for, like, three weeks. I'm like, okay, it's just, it's random. It's just like, it's just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's just my weird body and, like, who I get on a particular day. Yeah. The other thing about us testing frequently is, so my partner exotic Canadian partner. <laughs> I see her, we, we've been seeing like almost every six months, but now we're starting to do that every three months. We're starting to see each other in person. And so protecting her and her and her husband and his partner it is really important for her. So that's a whole nother reason that you know, frequent testing, know your status yeah. is really important for us. Yeah, it's not just about you. It's about the people that you love. Right. Exactly. And I will say it's it's no insurance, but if you use the links on our website, you can save $10 on <laughs> STD check. <laughs> Shameless plug. It's, it's just like having full medical coverage as if you were in Canada getting it for free. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for that discussion. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. How about a blooper that's happened in surrounding non-monogamy? You know, we've been trying to come up with a good blooper ever since we've been listening to your podcast. (laughs) I've got a long history, right? I mean, I've got a really long history. And I know there's hilarious things that have happened. but I'm sure they all blur blur together. I know that they do for me. They do, right. They all blur together. I mean, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about, I remember people like, people falling off a bed like there was a group thing happening and it was like three people and then all of a sudden everybody was falling off the bed i remember that happening and did you laugh about it at the time was it funny oh, or yeah, did it was, somebody it get was, hurt it was hilarious <laughs> uh, and but then there's other things that just kind of all blend together and uh i don't 
I know that like after after we there was one time after we had done something with a couple and then we went out afterwards and we were out at a bar or a restaurant I don't remember which and all of a sudden the woman looks down and her her panties had fallen out of her pant leg <laughs> and were laying on the floor next to her and and it was several people had noticed and and so she just looked up and kind of took a like a like the gymnasts do after their after their routine is done and throw their arms up in the air. It's like ta da! <laughs> that's, that's what she did. So she just took it with a with pride, it. right? Yeah. Right. You know, so there's all a well, bunch of like things like that. She but. must have put her pants on too fast without like. I guess. Yeah, like if her if her if she had previously she had her underwear yeah, off and pants off, or yeah, she didn't put them on. We probably couldn't find them because they were in her pants. Yeah, yeah. It's just so, like yeah. having a dryer sheet stuck in your sleeve. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. <thing. laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Well, before we before we let you get along with your sunny day there, do you mind? Are there any final wisdom parting thoughts that you want to share with people that we didn't maybe touch on specifically? Gosh, we, we didn't talk a whole lot about NRE and that's, that's kind of a big thing for me. Then we can talk about it. Well, you can talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I always say the way I hate the term relationship anarchy, just because it sounds like crazy chaos. I also hate the term falling in love. Because it just sounds like you're falling into a cesspool or something. You, you like, I don't it know. It sounds negative rather than it, positive. It sounds, it sounds negative. It sounds, it also sounds like if I fall into love with one person, I'm falling out of love with another person. Mm-hmm. And so I really, really like the term new relationship energy, which people just call NRE. And no, I feel like I, we, positioned ourselves really well, understanding what that meant, understanding that there's all these chemicals coursing through your body, understanding that it kind of takes over and makes you do things obsessively and, you know, makes you have googly eyes all the time. Understanding that energy put me in a really good position when Jory came home and said, I met this woman and, you know, I'm like, Oh dude, you have so much NRE going on right now. And there were things that I might be, if I wasn't informed about it, that I might feel irritation or jealousy or like, why are you acting this goofy? But just like taking a step back from that and letting that, letting that NRE ride it out, like letting Jory be, super happy and fun and like all googly eyed and, and just appreciating it for, for what it was and knowing that it's only going to last a certain amount of time. I think in a long distance relationship, it probably lasts longer because you're not with that person constantly. You're not touching that person all the time. And so, so you've had a, a really good ride of NRE but also seeing it come up in my own life and understanding, okay, I'm going to be a little impulsive now. I'm going to be a little obsessive about texting or, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. And just appreciating it. Like when it comes up in, in monogamy land, when I had felt that when I was in a monogamous relationship, it was something that had to be squashed because, oh no, you're in a relationship. You can't be flirting with somebody else or happy about meeting somebody else. You can't have these romantic feelings. And, and now I just, it, it's so beautiful and it's, it, it, you know, releases hormones in your body that take away pain and like it, it just ride it out where it only lasts a little time. So enjoy it while it's there you know, kind of like the analogy to having a a kid, I guess, like I've never had a child, but I would imagine that, you know, everybody talks about how, oh, this age is so great and it, it changes so fast. And so just enjoy it while you're there and don't, don't wish it away and don't, you know, try to squash it down. 
Well, and, and on the flip side, you know, to, to something Emma was mentioning earlier about, you know, part of the relationship anarchy construct is that, you know, you can, you may be somebody's new partner and because they have some existing relationship, that's something that you aren't going to be able to catch up to, right? Like a new partner that comes into your life is not going to have the same depth that you and Jory have, but on the flip side, you and Jory may not have the new relationship energy that that new person comes in with. And so that's the the flip side of that coin is all of a sudden your partner who you have this strong, deep, lasting connection with is like goo goo over somebody. And that can be a little jarring, right? You That's something you can't necessarily bring back NRE that easily. Like it can be, I think you can bring back elements of it for sure, but yeah. It comes on strong. Yeah. Yes. 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 There was just something that's coming into my head, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. And it's talking about those dynamics, how those dynamics can change so much when a new partner comes in, and what that, how that NRE can really, can really impact and influence the relationship dynamic, even, and and what you think you might want or not want within all of your relationships based on it. It's one thing that, that really the relationship that I've had um, over the last year and a half with my exotic Canadian partner. Um, You're still calling her that, by the way. <laughs> I am. <laughs> she calls me all kinds of things, so I think I'm just going to start calling her that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, her and her partner were not um, non-monogamous. Uh, and they had talked a little bit about about um, exploring that, but not really in depth. And so when you met when we, when we had first met, and so we took things really slowly and kind of like the first six months of our chatting together were kind of trying to deny what we were both feeling, right? Um, and and sh- and her trying to deal with that that new relationship energy she was feeling and how to translate that into her, her relationship with her husband. So it's just, it's quite the dynamic, right? How those, how that can really affect your existing relationships and, and they, their communication was really good. So they worked it out well between them. And I mean, he's got a partner now and it's, it's always in flux and always a conversation, but, um, a lot of good communication surrounds that. Well, I think what you're getting at, right, is it's fascinating, right? For you two, it was something that was allowed, right? It was right. this person coming into your life while maybe unexpected was, it was part of the deal for them. They had to navigate. What do we do with this as a monogamous couple? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you said that communication was really good and that's probably key, right? That's what it comes down to. You have to have, be patient and, and have really good communication. Right. That's what it comes down to in every relationship. Yeah. I think whether you're coworkers or friends or family or partners, it, you can have a really good relationship if you have really good communication. And if you don't, it probably isn't as great as it could be. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and maybe if you're okay with it, that's a good place to leave it. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Sure. Yeah. I don't want to force it upon you. <laughs> I'm sure like in another half hour, you'll be like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Well, that's but okay. then you'll have to invite us back. Sometime. Exactly. Not a problem. You're, you're <laughs> always welcome. So, Thank you. Before we were talking earlier today, we were talking about freedom of choice of action, but not you don't like you have freedom of choice of your actions, but you don't have freedom of choice of your consequences. Right. All your actions have consequences. You don't get to choose the consequences. You only get to choose the actions for things like like we were just talking about. If you meet somebody and. Wow, this is somebody I might really want to have a relationship. Now you get to choose where that goes in your life, but you don't necessarily get the freedom to choose the consequences of what that might look like down the road or whatever. And that's probably a whole other conversation. So. Yeah. <laughs>
that, that's, I think that's a rule to live by is right. you have freedom of action, but you don't have freedom of consequence. Yeah. yeah. Thinking, thinking about what consequences could happen is, is sort of an integral part of that communication. Yeah. For us, the consequences have been great. Yeah, for the most part. And support it for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like life is like that for the most part, right? You know, like it's most. it's there's going to be ups and downs, and that's how life is. And you just have right. to be able to communicate and uh, be patient and work through the times that are are tougher, and then you know be relish in the times that are really good. And um, yeah, think, exactly, exactly, think, exactly. I guess that's that's another thing that. Um, that is really important to us that I haven't thought about in a long time is it, it kind of didn't matter to us whether we got married or not. We ultimately chose to because of certain legal and financial things that are better for us than not being married. Yeah. But our choice to be together as a couple is a, a daily choice. Like every single day we wake up and there is that freedom it would be a, a lengthy process for us to decouple at this point because of finances and a house and being legally married and all that. But I feel like every single day we choose to be together. And a lot of what I feel is missing in monogamy is actively making that choice. It feels like Oh, I chose to marry you on this day. And that means from that point on, I don't have to make that choice anymore. You're just my default. And I don't want Jory to ever be my default. Right. Like I, I want to actively decide every single moment that I want him as a partner. And, and as long as we're bringing our own best selves, our own best selves to that. To but the relationship. Choose, choose you first. Choose you first, and then choose. Meaning, I put my best effort into right. into, your, into my own self. life, into being a great human being, and and if I'm bringing the best version of myself to our relationship or to any relationship, and that's ultimately not what Jory finds that he wants in a partner, then. I don't have any regrets. Then I I can say, okay, I brought my best self to this and it it didn't work out. So we'll uncouple. Right. Mm -hmm. But until we get to that point, I'm I just, choose you. I choose you. I'm just going to keep bringing my best self and right. and live in a happy life. Thank you for sharing that because I think that it is so important and something that that's hits on a key point that we really want listeners to be aware of anybody that's out there that is in a monogamous relationship. That's okay. If you want to be in a monogamous relationship, we're not here to tell you that you have to change that. But what you, what we want people to know is that you do have that choice. You have that choice every single day. And I think a lot of people just don't even realize it. And, but, and also to your point about self care and take like taking care of yourself first that's hard for a lot of people to do, but is vitally important too. Yes. Yeah. I, I read something just recently about self-care not being about bubble baths and chocolate, but it being about making the hard decisions that make your life possible and doable. Mm -hmm. Yes. I really liked that. And it is hard. Yeah. It uh -huh. is. Yeah. Life is hard, right? Just in general. Right. <laughs> Adulting. Adulting is hard. <laughs> yeah. But it's also amazing and wonderful and having great people in our lives makes it all worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, with that, should we go be adults? Yeah. <laughs> Get on with the rest uh -huh. of the day. We have to make breakfast still. And it's... You might not want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> But well, we will let you two get along with your your day, and we will be in touch. And we we look forward to doing it again. Great! This is a real pleasure. I oh, love awesome. talking to the two of you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank well, you we so enjoyed much. it as well. 
So have a wonderful day and we'll, we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. And we're back. Thank you to Maria and Jory. You guys are wonderful people. We're so glad we met you at Desire. And thank you. And to Jory's exotic Canadian (laughs) partner. Yes. Yes. For being so exotic. No, all of you are wonderful. And thank you for coming out and sharing your story. Uh, I know it's not always easy and it was really fun to chat. It was. And also, we just wanted to clarify, they mentioned STD check a little bit shamelessly for us. We appreciate that. And we just wanted to reiterate that you can get 10% off of your STD testing panel. If you go to our website and use the links, it will take you right over there. And it is our favorite and fastest and most convenient way to get tested for STIs. There's also links over there if you want to learn about some free ways to do it um, that you know we've also found and heard pretty good things about over the years. We haven't tried them ourselves because it's not everywhere, but it's also something we wanted to make sure people knew about. Yeah, there are free resources on our resources page. At normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Who do we got next week? Actually, first off, this Friday, episode three of Focus Friday. We already told them. I know, but that's the next episode. Next week. And then next Wednesday, we have an interview with Chanel and Grant. Yep. And no spoilers on that one, but they're awesome people with awesome outlook on everything and we had a great chat with them Mm -hmm. we even laughed once or twice we did not you but me i'm always the one i'm always (laughs) the one laughing no i don't think so i can't contain myself (laughs) okay bye everyone thanks so much for listening